Tom Hart of ESPN, the SEC Network. How are you? I am fantastic. I am so excited. My first and only interview of the day yeah, here on Radio yeah. Row here at SEC Media Days. Um, yeah, that means a lot to us. We have a great PR person, Amanda Brooks, and she's been trying to book me so, so hard to book me at, right. at every station here. And I said, no, I'm, I'm only going to go on this show with Josh. Josh Ward is That's your right. name. Yeah, yeah. WNML and Yeah, and it's fantastic to be on, on the radio here in Jackson, Tennessee. Oh, you said Knoxville. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Knoxville. It's all one of the same, really. <laughs> it's a big state. Yeah, Heather it's Harrington a... back in Knoxville, Heather, by the way. Now I've heard yeah. Heather. Hey, Heather, yeah. how hey, are Tom, you? Hey, Tom, I miss you. How are the kiddos? You. Oh, man, they're growing like weeds, dude. It's insane. Yeah, well, I would recommend some, you know, something to curtail the weeds <laughs> by a good landscaping person because they never stop growing. We have sponsorships available, by the way. Oh, that's good. I'm that. not interested in buying one right now, but maybe someone out there – it, we could sign him up. Tom Hart, find him every Saturday night on the SEC Network. Thanks for stopping by, Tom. They brought us back for year three. <laughs> yeah, how about that? <laughs> yeah, they brought us back for year We've got them fooled somehow. I, I think you guys are quickly becoming one of the best. I, I don't think I'm allowed <laughs> yeah, to say no. I, I don't think I'm allowed to say you're the best because you have the primetime crew that is you know Fowler and Herbshire. Well, you they can are, say you, with you a straight face that, that we are one of them. <laughs> right. We are one of the broadcast teams. You do get to go on television. We but, do. Uh, you guys legitimately have fun together, right? Which I think is important for a broadcast team, especially if you're going to do it for a yeah. few years together. And listen, I've known Heather a long time, and she knows this. Um, it's about enjoying the people that you work with and showing up to work every day and saying, man, I, I, I appreciate working with these guys. I appreciate what they bring to the table, and we all bring something different to the table. And just to peel back the curtain a little bit, and this happens in every job where, you, you know, typically you get to a grind and you're like, man, I could really use a break from these people or this guy. And usually for me, doing three sports, football, basketball, baseball, that happens at the end of a season. Hey, this was great. But as Hall of Famer Tom Glavin told me once, I can't wait for the offseason when I can pick my own friends. <laughs> well, our, our football season ended last year, and I called everybody. I was like, this is the first time I can ever remember that I could do another month with you guys. Like, we honestly have fun together. We enjoy each other's company. And we've got a great gig. I mean, I know I'm preaching the choir, but SEC football every Saturday night in front of packed stadiums man. how do you beat that yeah yeah it's a lot it's just fun it's and i i'm really lucky to be able to do what i do so what excites you about this upcoming season where alabama and georgia get most of the attention right at least in terms yeah. of the championship but we have nine quarterbacks here that i think there are a lot of storylines maybe more than we uh, typically have in the sec i think there's a lot more unknown in this league than people are giving it credit for because you just look at the, the landscape it's the division winners and who's going to meet and it might be fait accompli with alabama and georgia but there's still great stories within those i think uh, within both divisions i think one of the things and i love the college football playoff but with only four teams that make it every year what it's taken away from is in many cases fans ability to appreciate good to great seasons that aren't elite because great programs say we want to be one of the final four to make it well listen like look at lsu season last year for example that was a great season and they should be able to take pride and joy in that season whether it's a step towards a college football playoff and a national championship within the next five years or not and appreciate that now, i know tennessee fans would love to have a season like that right now and i just i just hope fans appreciate how hard it is to win week in and week out in this conference and college football as a whole so you can truly enjoy the season and the ups and downs that come with it well tom you know that's never going to happen but i no. like your vision of <laughs> utopia uh you've been around the sec a lot no I, i'm wondering though when you take the big two out of the conversation alabama and georgia right now 
Who are the challengers? I mean, is LSU truly ready to, to rise up? Uh, what's going on with Texas A&M in the West? And then yeah. on the eastern side of things, um, who can challenge Georgia? Is Missouri uh, a team that could surprise people? Well, let's start with Texas A&M. I think they're going to be a great example of a program that can take great strides and and improve without improving in the win column. Their schedule is almost impossible. Um, And they could be a seven-win team, and they could be a great seven-win team, depending on how they handle the big four on their their schedule. Um, Obviously, Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, and LSU. What they can do, what they can accomplish, if, if they win any one of those four games, if they win a couple of those four games, they could impact the college football playoff unlike anybody else in the country because they have the talent, they have the potential to pull a couple of those upsets. I think uh, I'm 100% in on LSU. They've got an experienced quarterback. They're willing to open things up. I had dinner with Ed Ogeron last night. He was bragging about his defense and his secondary, and I thought they had a great secondary last year. And he said this is the best one they've ever had. They're better by losing Greedy Williams, which tells you a lot about what he thinks about them. Um, and I think Missouri can make waves. I think with Kelly Bryant at quarterback, how quick we forget, right? I mean, Drew Locke set the SEC passing record just two years ago, and now everybody's on to the shiny new toy. It's Buzz Lightyear versus Woody, in my opinion. See, that's a, that's a Disney uh, I umbrella that. right yeah, there. Yeah, I like yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think Missouri – and Missouri's got experience on the offensive side. They've got receivers, running backs, tight ends, Albert Okawebanam. Don't let anybody call him Albert Look at o. that, by the way. Okay? Yeah. yeah. That, I've been, that was a little bit of a flex, let's be honest. Yeah. Okay? It's a weird <laughs> flex. thing. That happens pretty naturally. Yeah. Throwing in the – because I say Albert O, okay? I mean, I just – I do. You I've lost to. so much respect for you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it's bound to happen, but as you were saying. <laughs> anyway, to answer Heather's question, I think Florida has a chance to um, to beat Georgia head-to-head. I, I don't think there's going to be enough consistency there for them to win the entire division. I think Dan Mullen's a great coach. He's a great builder of programs. They're still a ways away. Tom Hart, ESPN, the SEC Network. So it is that time where every every year here I ask you about Tennessee, and it's just you – know, where does this conversation go at this point? So year two, Jeremy Pruitt, they're here today, by the way. Yeah. Now what do you think with Tennessee football as the wait continues for Tennessee fans to see them back at the top? I think there's an interesting comp to be made between Jared Garantano and Felipe Franks. If you look at the way Franks finished his season last year for Florida and the improvement that he made week to week, and I talk with Felipe, and, and obviously you're talking about two very different offensive philosophies and offensive coaches, but early in the season he's like, man, Dan Mullen's driving me crazy. I mean, this guy's on me every day of the week just killing me monday tuesday wednesday thursday builds me back up saturday expects me to win a game and it took a while for him to learn what it was like to play quarterback for dan mullen but that paid off back after the season he was fantastic um if jared garantano can continue to improve and make baby steps week by week by week then tennessee has potential to be a a good team but kind of like we're talking about with texas a&m a moment ago and I said this about Arkansas last year. Like, there, is a, there are improvements to be made within a program. Um, in this microwave society, we all expect it to be immediate. You don't necessarily see them. You don't see the results on Saturdays. So I, I can't predict what Tennessee is going to look like this year. I know they're going to be better. I know Jeremy Pruitt proved himself last year to be a, a coach who has the potential to be a good head coach in the SEC who can handle being a head coach. And he's going to continue to learn and grow. Nobody could ever argue with his acumen as a coordinator or as a recruiter 
as a motivator in many ways. It was can he grow into being a head coach? And I think he took strides last year, and he's going to continue to do so. How hard do you think it is, Tom, for coaches, especially that came from the coordinator ranks, to have that improvement in year two and and to kind of settle into their role? Well, I think it's hard for a guy like Jeremy specifically because you look at where he's been. I don't know how far back you'd have to go within his resume, maybe to high school, to find a a time where he had to be part of a rebuild. Um, And with all the talent that was there, it's odd to call it a rebuild, but that's what it is. Um, especially from a culture standpoint. He didn't have to do that at Florida State. He didn't have to do that at Alabama. Um, he kind of stepped into that role at Georgia under Mark Rick, and that's what ruffled some feathers because that was a foreign land to him. He didn't understand why Mark Rick did the things he did. He was very abrasive about it in many ways. He rocked the boat, which some say could be good. Others would say it was disrespectful. Um, and so I think he's got to learn, and, and it's a learning process. How do... How do you build a culture when you've got to change it? You know, how do you build winners when they haven't won? How do you get players to buy into the program as a whole as opposed to individual play? That's a, that's a long, tough road to hoe, and you're trying to do it in the best conference in college football. And that's part of it too, right? Especially at sure. Tennessee, you play Alabama every year. You play Georgia what it is now every year. Florida, of course. I mean, go, but go throughout the league. Look at what Missouri could be. Uh, look at, I mean, Kentucky, what it used to be 20 years ago and what it is now. I think Kentucky's a great example of a program, and, and their expectations were totally different, and I get that, but a program that gave a head coach time to build it in his image, to build it to his likings, to his liking, and they did it. And I think they're going to be a team that surprises a lot this year. Coming off of 10 wins, you know, they lost Benny Snell, they lost Josh Allen, they lost Mike Edwards in the secondary. What do they have? Well, they have the culture. And they've shown and proven that they can develop those guys. Josh Allen was nobody when he showed up on campus in Lexington. Um, So if I were an agent or if I were a coach, I'd grab an AD and say, hey, man, help me do it the way Mark Stoops did it. You know, give me the patience. Give me the, um, the capital. Give me the investments to build this program the right way. And I think that's why Kentucky will surprise is because they can continue to win because they've built that, even though they don't have the headlining individuals maybe, especially on the defensive side this year. Hey, Tom, before you go, all this talk is, is football this week. I'm yeah. curious, Tennessee baseball this year. Oh, man, yeah. Tony Vitello actually gets the program back into an NCAA regional. It's been 14 years. I mean, it was probably around the time when you were with the Smokies. Tennessee yeah. baseball was one that it, it attempted to go to the World Series, and it did in 05, uh, and a few times before that as well. What, what is the buzz around Tony Vitello, Tennessee baseball, and it's – its chance of maybe being more competitive. And you want to talk about a difficult conference, SEC baseball. Oh, yeah, there are, there are absolute parallels to be drawn between college baseball, SEC's role in it yeah. on the baseball side, and college football in the dominance of one conference year after year after year and another uh, national title for the league this year with Vandy. Um, Tony Vitello is immensely respected throughout all of college baseball as a recruiter, and he always has been going back to his time at Missouri, even before he got to Arkansas. And what he showed this year is that he can build a program. And he is a fantastic coach. And he's got him pointed in the right direction. Direction. Momentum is such a funny thing in college baseball because you're dealing with scholarship limitations and roster limitations. And you, you may have a big leaguer every now and then, like a Nick Senzel, but you've got to have momentum going within the program as a whole. He's got that. And it's a, it's a tough conference to win in. But I was really proud of them to see them return return to the postseason, and if the administration 
continues to invest in them and show that they will invest in them, then the sky's the limit. I mean, you could have resources at Tennessee unlike anybody else in the league if you decide that baseball is something you want to invest in. And we know that it's not a non-revenue sport. It is a sport that can drive revenue and make the athletic department money, and that's, uh, that's important to ADs. Yeah, that would be good for Tennessee. Uh, you also mentioned, as we, uh, we mentioned again for you, Saturday night's SEC and the SEC Network, uh, it's important to like working with your coworkers. Was that a message of encouragement to Heather because she has to work with me every day now? <laughs> yes. Uh, Heather, I'm here for you. Uh, I know how frustrating it would be to deal with Josh. Um, but I think once you get past the beard, like on the inside, he's a touching, caring, talented individual. It's the dad jokes that we keep getting caught up on, Tom. The, the dad jokes are never ending. I, I actually respect that about Josh. It might be the only thing. <laughs> And uh, I actually you know, I do, do too. Jay Lyford's encouraging down here too, Heather. So uh, you're outnumbered, Heather. I kind of feel I kind of feel like I have an insight into the Knoxville market over the years, and I think that's something that plays in the DMA. You know, yeah. to speak the lingo. Yeah, you know, you know. But she should, she should counter with mom jokes. I mean, you're you're capable. Are those even a thing? You can make it a thing. I thought I'm mom eye rolls were a thing, and he does see those. The iPhone wasn't a thing until it was. Let me just share a quick story. My, uh, my youngest daughter, Emma, is in, she's in a program in the Atlanta Public Schools called it's basically Spanish Immersion. It's a dual immersion program. And I've been working with her. I'm not a great Spanish speaker, but I can, I can speak the dialect. So I've been working with her on rolling her R's. And the other day we're in the car. We're driving on the road. I said, hey, let's work on this. And she didn't want to. And I caught her in the rear of your mirror, and she said, and I quote, Dad, I may not be able to roll my R's, but I can definitely roll my eyes." Oh, oh man. Yeah. Yes. And I was like, wow. <laughs> okay, we're done with this. No more Spanish lessons in the summer. Yeah, now <laughs> that's Tom pros. Mark's daughter right there. Yeah, yes, smart Alec. So uh, you, Cole Kubelik, and uh, Jordan Rogers are getting this, this football season. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a blast. I like to think of it like this. Um, you know, I'm the caretaker of the crew, I, and I, I – I wrap my arms around that. I'm a big fan of dog. I love dogs. My dog, Larry, is going on like year 17 now. He's still kicking around. I view our crew like this. Jordan is definitely the inside dog, and Cole is the outside dog. Makes sense. Occasionally we'll allow him in the garage, but never in the living room. You know, he eats the hard kibble outside. Jordan gets the stuff, the soft, mushy stuff out of the can and maybe some table scraps. I didn't tell you this. You're actually the lead-in. We, we have an interview with Jordan next talking about Garantano. So you're Jordan's lead-in. Does that cause any friction within the team? There might be some friction because now Cole is literally six feet from us. Yeah. He gets very jealous. So uh, be careful. The German Shepherd might come off of his chain and demand to be interviewed. Yeah, hey. put, put some O-line tape on. It'll be, it'll be good. <laughs> Heather? I'm not going to lie to you. The way you were describing Jordan Rogers, it sounds like you have a dog and a cat. Oh, yeah, yeah. He would be, the, he would be licking his paws and judging, judging. But make no mistake, he may have a degree from Vandy, but I can still distract him with a ball of yarn. There you go. Tom Hart, uh, heard only today on Sports Radio WNML on Radio Row. Exclusive. That's right. Exclusive content for the Sports Animal. Thanks, Tom, as always. All right, Heather, be good. All right, see you, Tom.